Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. My name is Dave, one of the pastors. We have just finished a great series on Galatians. Mike wrapped it up last week. Today we're going to be jumping in and the message is going to be focused on one of the greatest things that we're about, which is advancing our mission as a church. We have a dream, we have a desire, we have a goal, we have a mission statement, and I think most of us know what that is. We want to unleash a movement of what? Passionate Christ followers. That's what we're about. And under that, we you know what our number one priority is? Be a people who are pursuing God. That we're, if we're about anything, our life is about running after God, seeking Him. That's what we want to be doing. Now, if we're really going to do this, um, have a, a sense where there's something that this movement outlasts just our lives, it has to be passed on to the next generation, right? So if we, if we live it out, but it doesn't get passed on, it's not much of a movement, is it? Uh, we're not continuing the legacy that we are stepping into and going on. And the idea behind this message is this, that all of us, um, if you're alive, how many of you are alive? Yeah. Great, we're all here, good. If you're alive, this message is for you. Because you and I have been designed to be a people who leave a legacy. The message is titled Living Legacies. That our life is designed to have ripple effects that leave a spiritual legacy into the lives of other people. So most of you have been in a boat. and Behind a boat you see a wake. And, and that little wake has all those little ripples going out. Our life is designed to have an impact. Make an imprint on other people. Today is about how to do that better. How do, we, how do we imprint our lives spiritually on the next generation and make the most of it? So the passage we're looking at today is written directly to parents. So it's going to have real specific application to you. But catch this. It applies to all of us. The things we talk about today, any life that you're trying to imprint, any life that you have a chance to impact, the things that we lay out will apply to those as well. But it's directly written to parents. So I always like to do this if I'm speaking um, with specific application of parents. I like to know the audience. Do we have parents in the house tonight or this morning? Yeah, there we go. We got some of you guys. Good. On your outline, on the, on the top of that second page, number one uh, priority said pursuing God. But if you turn your page, what it says there is facing the challenge. How many of you parents who raise your hand would agree that parenting is challenging? You say, no, it's actually my kids are challenging. No, put your hands down. Stop that. <laughs> Uh, how many of you are single parents? Anybody like that here? Yeah, you're like, oh, challenging? Right, impossible. Let's write that word down. Um, let me just say, if you're a single parent, you are a hero. Let me just say, your kids may not know it, recognize it right now, but there's going to be a day where they're going to look back and see the sacrifices you've had to make in your unique challenges. So God bless you. The Lord will honor you for your efforts too. So glad you're here. Um, grandparents, we have grandparents in the house? Oh, good. Got some of you guys here too. We had a lot of them last service, you know, early service. They'd already been awake for four hours, so they came out, <laughs> came to the service, you know. No, as grandparents, you have huge influence, tremendous influence on future generations, more than you may ever realize. Um, how many of you are like, yeah, I have kids. They're kind of grown and gone. You're an empty nester. Kids are out. Yeah. How many of you uh, say, I have no money left now, but they're gone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many of you are like, yes, I was an empty nester. I'm not anymore. I'm a boomerang parent. Anybody fit that category? Oh, good. Um, how many of you are like, all right, enough talk of this kid stuff. I don't like kids. I don't have kids. I don't think I even want to sit next to a kid. Anybody like that? Okay, I got a few of you too. <laughs> Listen, 
you will, if, unless you're a hermit, which you're not because you're here, uh, you will be impacting future generations. God's going to bring people younger than you across your path to influence them. But truly, you know the principles we're going to unpack through here are going to have broad application to any life that you influence. But the passage we will look at is really primarily directed to parents, but just know broad application. There are takeaways for everyone in here. I want to set this up for us a little bit. The passage is in the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, as, we, as we get into this, I, the situation that they're facing is they've been living in the desert for decades. And in the desert, it's been like the camping trip that has lasted forever. It's just been going on and on and on. Well, out there, there was not, there's not a lot of food stores. So God has had to do something. There's a supernatural aspect that they got to see on a daily basis. They would wake up and food is there. That's amazing. They didn't know which way to go in the desert. They've been wandering for years. God would lead them in the form of a cloud, a fiery cloud even at night. They saw a visible aspect of his presence. They'd come together for corporate worship times with God. They had powerful experiences, learning to walk with each other as a community, learning to walk with each other, walking with God. But now, it's all changing. They're moving into a land where they don't need food provided. God's giving them the promised land. There's plenty of food. So they don't get to see that daily provision. They don't need a cloud anymore to lead them around. So that what they're used to on a daily basis, the daily visible aspects of God's presence in their life, they're not going to see it like they used to. They're going to see God working. They're going to see amazing victories and have amazing experiences, but it's different. Another thing that's different about this, this promised land that they're going into, into that makes the situation challenging is that the promised land isn't so promising because of some of the people who are living there, the Canaanites. And I don't have time to unpack it, but know this. It was a godless, immoral society. They worshiped all these different gods, and the way they did it, a lot of the time, there's deviant practices, sometimes violent. Um, their kids that they'd been raising in the desert had never been exposed to anything like that. But they're going to be coming in, and God said, as you go in, I don't want you to adopt that lifestyle. Don't adopt those gods. It'll be your downfall if you do. Trust me, I want to give you some instruction because I know for you, you've been living this legacy of walking with me. So when you're going to go into a situation where you're going to be exposed, where everything is against you, everything's against walking with God, how do you keep him, your number one priority, pursuing God when you're going into a place that's against that? And you have to stand against that. So these parents are wrestling with that. How do I continue this legacy? How do I prepare these kids to face these temptations? And then this is what we get. We get Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bible, flip it open to chapter 6 there. And let's jump in. This is a really important scripture before I start reading it. Uh, it's known as the Shema. This is the first scripture Jesus would have memorized growing up. Every Jewish child memorized this one. They'd recite it twice a day. They'd even put it on their doors. You ever see those mezuzah? It's a little piece of parchment. Have these verses in it. You still see them on people's doors. Because they believed within these verses were the answers uh, to make what a successful life would even be. This is, if you miss anything, don't miss this. So they'd post it. It's, it's really key. And this is how it starts out. Verse 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What's he saying? Remember, you've had a legacy of walking with the one true God. You're going to go into a place that's opposed to it. But remember this, there is a true God. You're going to be exposed to all these things, but start by this. Know that you have a deep conviction in who I am, my love for you, my character. There's a one true God. 
Now, um, it goes on in verse 7. It says, love the Lord your God with, what's the next word? All your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. So he's, he's setting this up. He's saying, listen, the most important thing is God has to be your everything. That if your life is about one thing, it is about him. It's pursuing him. It's loving him. God had given them a legacy of him loving them in craziest ways, rescuing them, providing for them. Now he's even providing this new land that they're going. They've never even had a home. He's going to be providing homes they never even built. They didn't even know they get to, they get to inherit all these amazing things in this land. God keeps loving them. This has always been about a love relationship. That it's not just knowledge about God. He didn't want them just to know about who he is. He wanted them to love him because he loves them like crazy. And the application is true for all of us. That we want to love God. That's what our life is truly about. And so as they're preparing to go in here, part of the solution that's being laid out is if you want to make sure your kids and the future generations, and speaking to all adults, that if you want to make sure that next generation continues the legacy, you know what he's saying? It's got to be real for you. It has to be true. If, if you're taking notes and on your outline under the solution, you can write this down. There's two things that every kid needs. One is this. They need authentic examples. Authentic examples. That's what verse 5 is saying. That it, before he tells them what to do as parents, he's saying this is who you should be as a parent. That you're all about the Lord. That God is everything. And I know, um, I know there's time, like when I would read through the scripture, like, man, love him with everything. All your heart, all your soul. All, that sounds hard, right? Can you do that all the time with all you got? That can seem defeating. But get this. It is a command, but even more, it's an invitation. God will do things within us that we could never do on our own. We're not good at loving other people all the time, loving well. He can produce that within us. We can't seek God with everything we got, but we can put ourselves in position to say, Lord, I want that. I'll do whatever you ask, but help. Help me where I can't do that. So that's why we put ourselves in a position. We come and worship. We get in the word. We'll gather in a life group. We'll even take essential courses. Just teach me how to do this better. Lord, I want to be in a position to seek you more. But what scripture really lays out is it's a work he will even produce within your life. It's an invitation to let him release a love within you that only he can bring. Jesus even prayed for that in John 17. But I put two verses in your outline that really speak to this. It says 1 John 4, 19. It says, we love because he, what's the next word? First loved us. He initiated. He not only initiates, he's going to continue to release it in your life. Romans 11, 36. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Even the ability to love him like you'd want us to love him. So let me just say, position yourself. And as, as they're preparing to enter this new challenge, make it and make sure that this legacy continues on into the next generation. He say, listen, if you get one thing, adults, it's, God has got to be your everything because kids need two things. They need authentic examples and they need constant instruction. Authentic example, they need constant instruction. And this is where he begins to lay that out. It says... In verse uh, 6, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. So it's about this. Now he's going to start saying the constant instruction. He says in verse 7, impress them on your children. 
The word literally means to teach it diligently. Say it again and again. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, even when you lie down. When you get up, you're talking about this. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. What is he saying? Constant reminders. Just constantly put it out there. It's part of your conversation. There's a constant sense of dialogue, teaching, because this is what your life is about. Now, um, as we look at this, I want to just say one thing. A lot of times, especially if you're a parent, you wonder, I don't know how much impact or influence I really have. It doesn't even seem like I have a lot of influence. Can I just say, hands down, the number one influencer in the life of any student or any child is, do you know what it is? It's parents. Hands down. Can I tell you a secret? They may not act like this, but every child wants their parent to be a hero. They want to look up to them. They want to see an example to follow. Whether they verbalize it, they act like they're ignoring, they do want it. It's deep down, and I don't care how old they are. They want it. It's a real part of it. Um, and I, I know there's different mentalities people have a lot of times when we talk about passing on a spiritual legacy into the life, life of a child. And I ran in, in, into it this week. One of them is this. One of the mindsets is, well, I'll have someone else do that for them. And so I was at my mechanic this week, uh, and talking to him. He goes, hey, listen. He goes, I was thinking, I, maybe I'm going to check out your church for my kids so I can bring them to a place where they can teach them about God. And as we talked about, it's almost like, I'll, you know, I can go, I'll take them to soccer, I can take them to karate, drop them off, they can get their God peace, and they will be set up for life. They're going to be set up. Do you know what that's, there's a mixed message though. If you're saying, kids, this is so important, I'm going to drop you out, I'm going to make sure this is everything for you, but if it's not real for you, it's a mixed message. You see, you're undercutting your own message. It has to be real. That's why even in Deuteronomy, he's laying this out, it has to be so real for you. That's what's going to imprint them. There's even another mindset where I've, I've run into people say, well, listen, I know I'm a Christian, but I don't want to impose my spiritual values upon my kid. Really? Because God is saying it is your primary role. Because if it's so important, if it's so real, they want to see something that's real because you want to do everything you can to set them up for success. And this is ultimate success in life, walking with God, pursuing God. So you do everything you can to help put them in an environment where that's allowed to flourish and prosper. So if, if you want to make it, that's why I put an outline, I mean on your outline, Joshua 24, 15, it really underscores the importance of your role as a parent. It says, uh, Joshua said it like this, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. What's the order there? Who's first? As for me. What's he saying? If anybody in this house is going to walk with God, I'm going to walk with God. But I'm also going to do something. I'm going to take responsibility for my house. And so uh, I, I, I'll even say this. I know that um, I've seen kids, worked with kids for many years. I've seen kids come from, that walks, are strong spiritually, that have come from homes that don't have any spiritual support. And they end up walking with God. And I have seen kids come from the most amazing homes. And they've walked away from the Lord. And there's a mystery to it. It's kind of fascinating, too. There's a proverb that says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. There's almost a sense they may even stray for a while, but there's something that'll, 
generally pull them back to things that they've learned that have marked them. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 9. I'll give you one more verse before we unpack how to do this. Mark 9, verse 36. This is a key scripture that Jesus gave that underscores the importance of investing into, into younger kids. And this, again, applies to everybody. Mark 9, 36, it says, He took a little child and had him stand among them, taking him in his arms. He said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes who? Speaking of Jesus, whoever welcomes me doesn't welcome me, but the one who sent me. You know how amazing that is? Uh, He's saying if you welcome a child, God is so honored by that, esteems it so highly, it's as if you're welcoming the Lord himself. If you've been given a child that's a gift, Psalm 127 says that, he's a gift or she's a gift, you cherish that gift. You welcome him, you nourish him. It's as if you're welcoming the Lord himself. It is your highest calling. It's an amazing opportunity. So I just want to lay that out because the minute you start undervaluing your role in the lives of kids, you begin to sabotage your own influence in them. So remember that. I want to spend the rest of this um, message on unpacking how do we do that better. Now again, parents, you're going to have the most specific application. They're living with you all the time. But Even if you're not a parent, these are things. If you're going to influence any life, you're going to be doing these things. So what does it take to create a legacy, living legacy? That's something that will outlast you. you got to have three things. I look at it almost like having three dials you could turn up or down. And as you turn them up, it's probably going to increase your, your influence significantly. Here's the first one. It's presence. Presence. I'm not saying the one you spell with a T. Your kids would love that. Get them at Christmas. But I'm talking the one you spell T-I-M-E, though. Time. Giving them time. In Deuteronomy, in verse 7, it said this. Talk about them. Now listen to the context here. Well, when you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, man, even when you go to bed, they're lying down, you're getting up. What's the context behind that? That you're around. you got to be present to have influence. It's hard to influence at a distance. So you have to be there. And I can just tell you, one of the major contributing factors to healthy emotional kids and spiritual kids is present parents in their lives. It's, it can't be, I can't even overstate that. Some people think, well, no, I think it's quality time over quantity time. Can I just tell you, it takes some quantity, especially when they're younger. As they get older, man, it's, if, if, if you haven't even invested to, you're almost going to feel like you're a manager of a bed and breakfast as they come and go. You know, hey, well, what's going on? I need a meal. You need this. Um, invest in presence. There's going to be a time of some natural pulling away, but you need presence. And I'll unpack what this looks like. But as you look at that, this is starting to creep into an area where we have to start asking ourselves, especially if you have children, are you putting any selfish needs above your kids that you need to start looking at? Are you pulling away some of your influence? Um, Before I got married, I knew I was selfish, but not as much until then. When I had a kid, I realized how much more selfish I am. Have you seen that too? Um, A lot of times when you offer your presence and you're there and you're going to be with, especially, you know, well, actually it could be kids of any age, you're participating in their interests, right? 
Now, I have a little one. He's two, two and a half. Uh, and what are his interests? Well, they're pretty simple, right? Real simple. If he can't watch very much, things he can watch, they're pretty simple. And he doesn't like to just watch it once. He wants to watch it what? Again and again. Oh, again. Oh, okay. Uh, want to play the game. How many times do you want to play it? Again and again. But what's he want? It's, honestly, it's not even as much about that game. What's he taking in? Daddy's there. Mommy's there. He's taking it in. He just wants to be with. It's fascinating. Even if you told the kid, hey, do you want to try this? They'll just do it. Yeah. It's not even as much about what you want to do. They want to just hang out because your presence is key, especially those little young years. And as they get older, it's going to change how you offer your presence. Um, I'll unpack that a little bit for you. Um, I want to say this before I do. There's something about if you are present, and this is, deals with anybody of any age. There's something about perceived presence. If you want to write something down in your outline, write that down. It's not just so much about being there. Even if you work at home, it's perceived presence. The idea that if you're really there, they believe that you're there for them. That your body's not there, your heart is there as well. Now, there was a Harvard study that came out, and it said one of the contributing factors, the number one contributing factor to rage and anger into the lives of kids, you know what it is? It's the, and I, w- I thought it would be like, you know, abuse, or it's going to be a discipline thing, or they didn't get the latest iPhone, you know, something, you know, legitimate. Um, <laughs> but what's the number one contributing cause to, to like, rage or anger? It's the perception that their parents are inaccessible. It's perceived inaccessibility. They're there, but they're not there. And there's something that happens. It communicates lack of interest and care, and it starts to build something up in them. That's a hard one. I'm guilty of this. It's it's not easy to always be present and and really make that a priority, but it's going to be critical. Um, And and as you do this, here's, here's some things to think through. One of the things I would even say, here's some practicals. How do you even get better at this? I would say turn off distractions. You have a, how many of you have phones where you can get your email? Yeah. Um, how many of you get texts pretty regularly? Check a Facebook a lot. Oh, you guys lie. I'm going to do a mess, switch to my message on lying. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually out there a lot. I know for me, it's like that it goes off. If, especially if I'm off, I'm not supposed to be in. That thing goes off. I can look at it. What happens? My mind begins to engage with what I just read. Especially if it's critical. Wow, that's time sensitive. I feel it. My mind now engages. I'm thinking about that. I could be hanging out with my family, but my mind is where? At work. It's somewhere else. And there's a, a, there a, another Harvard study that was then. I was at the station, police station. I also serve as a reserve police officer. I work part-time doing that. And one of the things we were learning in our training was there's something called um, inattention blindness or inattention deafness. Well, what is that? It's when you have what I just talked about. You get something that comes into your mind. You're thinking about something. You get a call. You hear something. A text comes through. Your mind engages. You could be driving down the road, you know, looking. You're kind of in this zony state thinking about all this stuff, and a cow walks out. Bam! You know, like, I didn't even see that thing. Well, how did you miss that? I don't know. It's called inattention blindness. We all have it. That's why we have 43,000 accidents a year in L.A. It's great. That's also why L.A. is trying to push up ticket writing. Sorry for that good news. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's called inattention blindness. So if you don't think that's real, ask your kids. I've literally had my kid grab my phone and put it down, and he's only two. 
Well, yeah, thanks. You've made me feel great. Appreciate that. <laughs> Didn't feel guilty enough, but now I do. Uh, but, you know, ask your spouse. Ask your coworkers. You know, it just happens. See, this will apply to any relationship. It does carry over, but it's really, really key. Here's another practical. Consider personal sacrifices. What personal sacrifices can you make to be there for your kid? You know, I, you know, working with kids, if you ever go to kids' games and see this, you'll see some parents that are there. You'll see some parents that are always there. My parents were like that, always there with a camera, sometimes embarrassing. I didn't, I, you know, as a kid, like, oh, man. But deep down, that made an impact. They were always interested in what I was interested in, even if I knew they didn't care about what that was. They cared about me. You ever talk to a kid, sometimes they're like, hey, where is your, your dad, your mom coming out? Oh, no, uh, he doesn't like soccer. Um, so he's home gardening. Really? You know? There's times that I wish it wasn't a pastor. I'd love to be just the bouncer for a minute. Go over that guy, shake him up. You know, hey, listen, buddy. It's not about your interests. It's about their interest. Because when you're present, it communicates care, love, concern. If there's any life you want to make an impact on, any life, especially if you have kids, you want to offer your presence. So what personal sacrifices could you consider, even career-wise? I'm not saying sabotage your career, but sometimes there's opportunities you may not necessarily have to jump at, especially if you're at critical times when family needs your time. Like even for me, I'm trying to limit the days away that I travel or how many nights I'm gone. Um, Think about what can you do. Consider if, if there's anything that you're doing that is taken away that you can look at that. That's a great conversation. For you, for you and your wife to have, um, or your husband. I'll, uh, I'll just uh, say one last thing. You know, on this whole idea of presence, it, you know, and we have got some grandparents in here. Do you know why kids love to be at your house? Love to be there. Um, when I was younger, I would go, and I, even as junior high, I'd spend a lot of time with my grandma. You know, got all these old people playing canasta. I'm right in the midst of that. Now, why in the world would I do that? You know, it's not because, you know, that me or any kid is excited about hearing chronic, you know, pains and medications, AARP and whatever else they talk about. You know what it is? It's because usually when you're on site, when a kid is on site, they get full attention. Probably more than almost anywhere else that they feel it. And do you understand the influence that that gives you in their life? It speaks volumes. You don't have to be a grandparent to do that. Anybody you want to influence, you offer that, let me just tell you, it just skyrockets. What you're doing is you're earning the right to be heard. You're just cashing it in. I I can't even overstate it. So what's the first thing everybody needs? Especially kids, they need presence. Second thing is love. Everybody needs to be loved, cared for. Flip over to Matthew 22, verse 36. Matthew 22, 36. Jesus um, is speaking and he says, Teacher, or someone's asking Jesus a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, now this is going to look really familiar. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What's Jesus doing? He's going back to the Shema, this key scripture we unpacked earlier. He says that's what life is about. And he says the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You love God with all you got. Second one is you love people. Because that's, if you want to simplify it out, that's what it is. Now, if you have children, who's your closest neighbor? Who are the closest people? Yeah, it's your family. 
If you don't have kids, it's the people that are closest to you. How do you love them? Do you know that all of us have a need and a craving to be loved? There's two specific things I'll just just say. If you want to turn up the volume on this one, turn this knob and increase it. Give a lot of loving words. Give loving words. Affirmation. Encouragement. You can't shower it enough. I still remember as a kid, riding, I'd have to ride on a bus and there's this older guy that I knew that was on the bus. Now why would I sit next to him? Because when I would, I still remember things he would say to me. He would build me up. He'd speak value into me. Sometimes it's just one sentence. It was all I took. I still remember him saying something and it, it impacted me. I closed my eyes. I fell asleep. But I still remember the day he spoke something to me. It's powerful. I want you to do this. Imagine in your mind. You're going down a long hallway. And in this hallway has all these photos on one side. And it's pictures of people who've said building, encouraging, affirming things about you through your life. And you can walk down this hallway and you can stop and look and see all those. Now on the other hallway, on the other wall, as you walk down, you're looking and you're seeing it's pictures of people who've said negative, hurtful, tearing things to you. Which one's easier to remember? Isn't the hurtful ones easy? Don't they come quick? Isn't that interesting that painful words stick with us? So how much more do we need words of affirmation to be flooded? Because those ones seem to, it's like we need more and more of those. They don't stick as much because those, we have hurts and pains from things people have said. And we, we need it. And let me just tell you, kids need it tremendously. Um, so I'd say even as we approach this, if you're given loving words, we've got to watch our words. I'd even say watch modifier words. When that, and what I mean by that is when you're with your kids, like, hey, this is my shy kid. Uh, hey, this is my worried kid. He's always worried. Uh, this is Pigpen. You know, everywhere he goes, there's a cloud and trail that follows him. He's a disaster. You know, careful of that stuff. You know what they'll do? They'll, they'll live up to that. Watch the modifiers. And on a positive say, in Proverbs 12, 25, it's in your outline. It says, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Kind words. How do you give kind words? Well, one way I'd say it is point out the positives, not just the negatives. You know, you are going to have to direct and point your, stu- your kids in different directions. And I would say, though, when they do something well, you celebrate that and you point it out. How good at you are pointing out when they've made an effort, even if it didn't turn out well. But can you do that? Do you realize that's going to speak volumes? But it's always like, oh, you didn't make your bed again. You know, you didn't do this. You forgot to do that. Do this. I want you to do this. And if they do it, it kind of goes silent. Just look for opportunities to point out the positives, not just point out the negatives. That speaks something to them. Let me give you a deeper one. I'd say encourage beyond performance. Encourage beyond performance. This is a biggie. This is a little harder to do. Um, you know what happens if you only affirm when they perform well? They attribute their value and worth based on how well they perform. That's dangerous. Because it's hard even when you're older to grow out of that. We chase affirmation. So we're always subject to whatever everybody else is feeling or thinking and you're always in a state of concern and anxiety and stress, trying to chase it, leads to suicides often. I can tell you, I've been unseen, read the notes. They're straight A's, they're doing great. What ha- they were striving, though, to get something. Let me just say, I would say, I'll give you two things. One, affirm effort. 
They're given effort, affirm the effort, not even the outcome. Just, I saw you, you stepped it up. I, I, let me just tell you, I'm proud of that. Even if they didn't perform where you're hoping they'd perform. Can you affirm effort? You can do that. Know another thing that you can do is, let's just say they play sports. And let's say, you know, is there times that they're just, you're cruising home with them and you look at them and you can say this. You know, one thing that I love almost more than anything is watching you play. There's one thing I look forward to in my day is watching you play. It makes my day. Now, it doesn't matter how well they did that day, but what are you speaking in their life? Ah, oh, man, you're ever, it, I just love watching you. It could be a little kid. They got an art project. It comes up. This is a disaster. Falling, you know, glitter flying everywhere, papers, you know, whatever it is. What do you say? That's awesome. How did you do that? What did you do? You know, oh, I did. I did the paint. It's a mess. You know, the shirt's all over everywhere. But what are you doing? You're exploring what he did. You're showing interest in him or her and, and what they actually did for you. And it'll speak volumes. So shower them with loving words. You know what else people need? Loving actions. They need a lot of that too. This is a, a scripture, 1 John 3, 18. says, Dear children, let us stop saying we love each other. Show it by our actions. Emotionally healthy kids get affection and they get a lot of it. You can show affection by creating cool memories. Taco Tuesdays for your you know, high school kid. Let them bring their friends over. Love them. Care for them. Make a fun environment. You can do some creative things to build memories. But they do need touch. They need physical touch. Do you know that all of us have something called skin hunger? That there needs to be some kind of physical touch that's appropriate, even growing up. And boys who grow up without that, they grow up having a difficult time expressing themselves emotionally. Girls tend to gravitate to expressing themselves sexually. And as a youth pastor, I can tell you, it pointed back, a lot of times when there's not a, a significant male figure, father figure in their life that showed appropriate caring affection. And it's, you know, it's one of the things that scars us, even as you get older. You could talk about how that marks all. And a lot of you could sit here and, and express that, how it's even hard to receive care and love or trust people in it. But that's why it's important. Hug your kids. You may not have even had a family that did that, so it's a little awkward to start. But let me just say, put your arm around them. Be appropriate. They're little kids. Get on their level. Let them tackle you. Have some fun. Build some memories. That's appropriate. That's healthy. As they get older, they still need it. And it may change how that's expressed. And they don't even always know how to express it. They may come in and just be, you know, wild and crazy. You know, little junior high kids may come and put you in an arm bar behind your neck and whatever. That's their way of just being fun. That's okay. But let me just say, you keep expressing it in appropriate ways. There's times they're going to back off. They're going to push you back. There may even be times they test your boundaries to see if you really care. Even if they're going to see it. I don't know if they'll still, they, do they still love me even if I go here? Trust me. You keep showering them with love. Um, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just say that it's, it's going to make a big deal. I'll, one caveat, if you are, if you've got like teenage kids and they're hanging out with their friends, you're dropping them off at church, all their friends are around, you know, back it off a little bit, you know, <laughs> easy on the hugs, no, hey, bye, you know, easy, because in front of their peers, hey, just, you know, relax a little bit. It's not as cool for mom and dad to be over, but when they get home, there's going to be a hard day. That will be appropriate. Your kids play sports. You're, you may be jumping out there playing sports. That's appropriate. Hanging out with them. But let me just tell you, um, it'll go a long way. And on the last one, if you're a student in here, you owe me for that last tip with your parents. So <laughs> just know I am looking out for you, you know, doing it. Let me give you one more. So 
but first reminder. What's the first thing everybody needs? Presence. The second one is love. I'll give you one more. The third one is instruction. Everybody needs instruction. Now this is getting now. Now what we've done, we've offered a lot of presence. You've offered a lot of love. You're earning the right to be heard. You're increasing your influence. And especially know this, when your kids are younger, um, you have to give them a lot of control and boundaries. But control steps back as they grow older to influence. But the more you give presence and love allows you to have influence, even on this instruction piece. So in verse 7, I have it on your outline, and I printed it in the Living Bible Version. I like how it says this. It's a reminder of the passage we read in Deuteronomy. It says, you must teach these commandments. Well, what's the first word on there? You. Again, it's not the government. It's not your preschool. It's not the private school. It's not even the church is primary responsibility. Just understand, it's your number one. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, you must teach these commandments. I'm like, oh boy. This is where I don't know. What do I do with that? I don't know how to do that. Um, people ask two questions on this is how am I supposed to do that and what am I supposed to be trying to accomplish in it? So how do I teach it? What am I supposed to get across? I'll just give you a couple things on each one. You don't even need to write all this stuff down. I'd encourage you on a message like this, you're writing your takeaways. What are the things that you need? What can you apply in your situation? Um, But here we go, a couple things. People say, well, should it be formal training? Should I have time in my house where I make them sit down, I'm gonna teach them these stories, all this. Now I know some families have done it and they've succeeded. A lot of times I've seen it, though, families try and do it real formal, and it backfires. They actually get less interested. The, um, but you can try it out. I would say you should be telling them stories. You should be reading and spending time. But I'd say look for ways that seem more spontaneous and natural. Even as it, it talks, it says, hey, as they lie down, as they get up, as you're traveling, as you're walking along the road, it seems like, hey, opportunities and windows will open up in lives, and you'll have a chance to influence can I tell you, working as a, as a youth pastor, I have seen this. You can be around a kid for a couple of years, be around, and they're not going to be open to talking about spiritual things, and boom, a window opens. I remember this one kid, just something normal. He saw this one video and stuff, and afterwards he's walking out, and I see tears coming down. He's not a kid that even cries. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, man, the Lord is loving me. I said, really? Tell me what's going on. Like, what are you thinking? And we began talking. This window opened, and it gave an ability to go there again in the future. And it was the beginning where it happened. There's going to be windows of opportunity that you have, but you got to watch for them. Look out for when your, your, your kids or the, the person you're trying to influence are most teachable. A lot of times you're going to be hanging out. You could be working in the yard. You could be out on a camping trip. Something's going to open up. You look for an opportunity to point them towards God. Any chance you get, but you're looking for it. So you can do formal instruction, but mostly it's modeling. Do you know that you are teaching all the time? Just live life because they're watching. You're exampling, you're modeling, you're living it out, and they're watching. The cameras are always rolling, Um, and it's key. And that's why I would even encourage you, if you've got something you're going through and learning in your life, share it with them. If you have a challenge, you know, there's a scripture in James I put in your outline it says, if you have, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Let your faith be tested. It'll have a chance to grow. Let them see how God's growing you. You can even give them pieces of it. Man, I'm being stretched. This is what's going on. I'm being stretched this way. Um, and this is how I want to respond to her. I want to respond in humility. I want to respond in grace. I want to I walk in integrity in this. 
You know, you may be challenged financially. You can say, this can be a hard one for us as a family, but pray for us. This is what we're trying to live out. Let them come into your journey. Let them see how it's real for you. Model it. Guess what? You're going to see them step it up. Another one would say, you know, another way you teach is just through discipline. You're providing boundaries. And it's really, really key. Proverbs 13, 24, on your outline, it says, if you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. You got to have some discipline. And again, you remember, it, it changes with time, goes from control to influence as they get older, but you got to give it. It's got to be there. I'll only say one thing on this. We don't have time to unpack it. But when you discipline, don't discipline in anger. You know what happens when you discipline in anger? It creates angry kids and humiliated and hurt. And it may have the opposite effect of what you're hoping for. Maybe worth just stepping back. But when you do it, you do loving discipline. And trust me, have we all failed in that? Yeah. But let me just say, just keep it in mind. And uh, it, it's one thing. One more tip on how you teach, I would say, is just ask questions, probe, discuss. And all this is, is you're re- entering into their conversation. Do you know 12% um, of kids, uh, grade school kids, admit that they talk openly to their parents about their personal life and problems, emotionally, what's going on? 12%. means 88% don't ever talk about it. Do you know what this generation is called? Every generation's got names like Gen X, Gen this, Gen whatever. This one is being called Gen M, Generation M, media generation. Average seven hours, 38 minutes a day on media. Um, that's the level of it. And that's not including on texting, cell phone, or working on the computer for, for school. It's just outside of that. It's also known as the abandoned generation. That more and more, they've, there's never been such a time where adults have, have dialogued so little with youth and kids. And so that's why there's a sense of abandonment. So they connect together. And there will be a time they're going to connect with their peers and it feels like they have, peers are going to have more influence for a season. But trust me, you can do this by just probing questions. A simple way to start, ask them about their interests. If they're into something, ask them why. What's, what's up? What do you like about it? Oh, what does it make you think about Take it as an opportunity to point them towards God. Enter into it. Don't let them just live in isolation, but join in. Sit next to them. See if, when they give you opportunities and make opportunities for that. Those are ways you can teach. Is that helpful? Let me just give you a couple thoughts on people say, well, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to accomplish and what am I teaching. It says you're teaching these commandments, but not so much just what the Scripture says. What are you teaching? You're teaching what it looks like. It's what it looks like. So, well, what does what look like? Well, what does it mean to have character? It means like when you go to the movies and you tell you, you wish for your kid, hey, lie about your age. We're going to get it cheaper. You know, <laughs> good job. Uh, you're teaching character right there. Uh, teaching integrity right there. But they want to see it lived out in your life. They want to see how that actually plays out. Um, they want to see what self-control looks like. How do you demonstrate self-control? How do you respond in that stuff? Um, convictions. Another thing you want to teach you know, you want your kids to have Christ-like character. You want them to have love, joy, peace, patience, all those things. But you also want them to have conviction about God's word, about who God is himself. And in order, let me just say, if you try and teach character without convictions, your kids will stray from that. Do you know that? That if, if, if they don't have any sense of conviction, they'll act like you, or like you want them to act in front of you. But when they're not there, there's no reason to keep doing that unless they have conviction that this is true, 
that God is real, that he loves him more than anything, that it is, life is following him is worth more than anything. You want them to have convictions, which means when they have questions and they begin to doubt, don't freak out. Everybody goes through different seasons of doubting. Walk with them through that. Help them explore it. Dialogue openly. There's so many good resources out there. You, you don't need to know all the answers. We can resource you on that stuff. Even if people say, I don't know these Bible questions, these questions they're asking, here's one website I'll give you, www.carm.org. Carm Great apologetics resource, but it, it'll help you enter the dialogue. The point is, people need just dialogue on that. They want to be, they want to have a reason and a chance to explore it. So you're teaching character, convictions, you're teaching relationships, how to choose friends. How do you make up when you and uh, your uh, family, you're in conflict? They don't need to just see the conflict, but how do you resolve it? What's forgiveness look like? Don't just teach it from the Bible, but let them see what it looks like, how to resolve it, how to build into relationship, what faithfulness, truthfulness, forgiveness looks like. You're teaching them what values look like, how you spend your time, what generosity means, where you spend your money, how you connect with God. How important is that for you? And can I just say, doing this, like, I'm learning, I'm in this with you, and especially in the role of parents, there's certain times you get breakthroughs, and last night was one for me with my son. Again, he's just a pretty little guy, but he gets to see me worship. Uh, my wife, Christy, and I, we worship together. We have an iPod, we'll put it on. And we'll go for it, you know, not when you're around, but we're going to go for it. We'll pray. We're going to worship. We'll get loud. We'll raise our hands, sometimes even dance around. It's just fun. We'll have fun and we'll worship. Sometimes I'll hold my son. He wants me to hold him sometimes as I do it. We'll pray for each other. I'll pray out loud. He hears my prayers. He doesn't even know what I'm saying, but he hears it. He doesn't get it, but he hears it. He's starting to worship. He's starting to dance. He doesn't know the words. He makes them up, but he knows this one song he loves. Uh, you Are My Joy by David Crowder. And and he sings joy, and he lifts his hand up. Well, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he knows that something's going on. And so last night, the breakthrough, is getting ready to come and preach. I, we're going to come in here and get here a little early. And he's like, Daddy, sing. Let's do the joy song. Really? You want to do that? Yeah, let's go sing. Let's dance. Do the joy song. All right, let's do it. Now I better apply the message I'm trying to teach. Um, <laughs> but I put that down, and I'm telling you, he danced. He sang. And you know what's fun for me as a parent? He doesn't understand God. He doesn't know what that means. But what he does know is it means something to me. It means something to my wife. He knows it's real for us. And there's something that's being imprinted that it's, this is our everything. This is who we're about. And that's a breakthrough. And all this is, is if we can do anything. And let me just say, you don't have to be a parent to do this. You are called to leave a legacy. Can I ask you, are there... Are there younger people in your life that you could influence? It could be a younger sibling. It could be someone in your neighborhood. Who's God put around you to influence? You offer, your, you offer presence. You offer love. You offer some instruction, especially by how you live. You will impress on them. Because every kid needs at least five adults outside their parents that are going to model it as well. They want to see it lived out. Something authentic examples and constant instruction. So, is this a good word for us today? Is this helpful? Good. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> you know, I'm just going to give you a final reminder and encouragement as we bow our heads. Um, I know that this can feel hard to accomplish. I know that a lot of times I don't feel sufficient. That's why there's a scripture I 
had listed out on there, but it talks about God doing something. It says he came among us, dwelt among us. What did Jesus do when he came? He offered his presence. He loved us when we couldn't even imagine that. Gives us a lot of words of affirmation. We got them all over scripture. He loved us with his actions. He died on a cross in our place. He did anything we can to be with him. And he lived his life. He not only just said what was important, he lived what was important. Because we learn by example, don't we all? You, and when he left, he says, I even give you the Holy Spirit who lives within you. So where you feel insufficient, he wants to be all sufficient. So let's rely on that as we pray. Well, Father, we ask you, Lord, for it. I ask you, Lord, that we would experience full sufficiency in Christ. That when we give our life to Christ, when we give our life to you, that we fall under the shadow of the cross and our, our past is redeemed, that you offer new life and you give us ability we never had on our own. I pray, Lord, that within this church, within this group that's in this room right now, you would release love in us in a deeper way, supernaturally, and even a way to love the next generation powerfully. So give us insight, Lord, how to offer a presence or love and instruction. Give us eyes to see it, wisdom beyond our years and experience. And Father, I pray grace over this group. I pray grace over the students and kids that are represented in this place as well, too. We pray that the movement of Christ would continue in a powerful way. We all said, amen. That is the way to end a service. That's powerful. Isn't that good to worship together? Isn't it good to express to God that you're everything? Even in places where it's hard to say that. You may not even feel it. But let me tell you, as you walk and as you move towards God, He will release that within you. And it's going to have ripple effects in the lives of other people. You know you're made to have an imprint. You are a legacy maker. That's God designed you for it. So you will be sufficient in Him to do what you could never do on your own. So I'll give you a scripture to encourage you. I love this one out of Psalm 101, verse 2. It says, I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help, especially in my home where I long to act as I should. Isn't that a good one? Don't you need help at home a lot? I do. So let me just ask a blessing that the Lord release over you. May God bless and strengthen you this week as you give him your everything. May you experience from him and through him and to him a love that he's releasing in your life, that you can love him and the people around you in deeper ways than you ever have before. And then that would leave a legacy that you'd look for windows of opportunity to give your presence and love and instruction. And God would use that to make an imprint for his kingdom. So God bless you guys. Good to see you. We'll see you next week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.